three, two, one. <laughs> what? Reversal of fortune. That's why I tell my friends everything happens for Seriously, a Seriously, you had one job. I, just, I, I can't with Jesus some of these people. Put um, down your goddamn cell phone. I don't think my dad even knows how to use a computer. Uh, Would uh, you rather? All right, trust me, take no, my advice. No, but seriously, that legit happened. Hello, namaste, shalom, and welcome to Nervous Habits episode five. Sank. I'm your host, Ricky Rosen, and essentially this is a podcast about, well, just about everything, ranging from psychology and philosophy to nutrition to dating and back again. This week, myself and my distinguished, air quotes, guest, who I'll introduce in a moment, uh, we're going to be discussing a bunch of great topics, including consciousness, all about the psychology and physiology of our internal conversations. We're going to be answering questions like, how do we measure consciousness? Is consciousness something we develop or always have? Uh, and can babies be said to be conscious? Uh, speaking of consciousness, should we be worried about artificial intelligence? And finally, lucid dreaming, how do you teach yourself to do it? All that and more on this week's episode of... Nervous Habits. Anyway, send those emails in, guys. NervousHabitsPodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at NervousHabitsPodcast. Uh, feel free to, to slide into those DMs, checking those regularly. If my voice sounds a little uh, <clears throat> a little uneven today, it's because the fella next to me has has uh, you know given me quite the weekend experience here in Orlando, Florida. We are live. Uh, special guest is Angelo Jason Piazza, AJP. Welcome to Nervous Habits, my friend. Thanks, Ricky. Proud to be here. It's uh, going to be pretty fun. He read the ground rules. Uh, no swearing. Keep the the sexual content to a uh, to a minimum. It's going to be hard, but I'll try. He's gonna. <laughs> he has a little like stress ball in his hand when he gets pent up. We'll put him in the penalty box. Um, Angelo is one of my longest uh, friends since well, like French class in uh, in middle school. Seventh grade, right? Seventh grade. We're going way back. Uh, what, 12, 13 years. Uh, a lot of great times with this guy. Um, one time, senior year, just. If you want to, you know, indulge me for a minute down memory lane, uh, I had my my keys stuck in my in my car with the oh. engine on, and I told AJ we were on our way to class. I said, "Dude, do not tell anyone about this. It's humiliating." Well, first thing I did is I walked in there and told the whole class. He told the whole class, um, and that's uh, that's AJP and, and RDR in a nutshell. That that dynamic. So funny. It's been a lot of four loco and other things I, I may or may not be inclined to share because you know mom and dad are listening at home and. And maybe the the piazzas as well, uh, but known this guy for a long time. Uh, who better to have on uh, for my uh, my first guest? And AJ, I'm used to monopolizing the airtime here, so you know, just feel free to cover my mouth or push me off the chair uh, if you want me to shut up so you can get a word in. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I feel I feel like this is like a real studio now. You know, we got like uh, we got the air guitar, the electric guitar on the wall. We got we got the the, the earbuds, photo. Yeah, everything. I we're all set up here at um in a scenic Melbourne, Florida. So. AJ and I, um, you know, as I said, we go way back, and AJ is one of my more contemplative friends. We, we've had a lot of conversations, even over the weekend since I've been here, yeah. where we've both kind of been like, dude, this would have been great for Nervous Habits. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. Throw it on the podcast. I'm not going to lie. There, like, there are future episodes that have been sp sprouted from the conversations that we've had. So mm -hmm. I'm, pumped, uh, I'm pumped for this, and uh let's let's begin with with consciousness and aj i'm going to kind of dive in um for a couple of minutes give you know give the listeners a, a, a background on, on what we're going to be talking about and if anything's unclear you want to add anything um you know feel free to do so just so you guys know aj is an engineer he uh he works for what like some uh, called data flow systems down here in melbourne florida we do wastewater solutions Shout out to DFS. Um, Hopefully, I don't get fired for saying. Yeah, that. right. <laughs> By the way, they're not a, they're not an advertiser, so I think we should limit the uh, the endorsement for for DFS. But uh, so AJ kind of um, supplements uh, my background. My background's more in social sciences and politics, law, and psychology. So it's going to be uh, you know kind of interesting to get a, a more scientific perspective. Um, consciousness is an intimidating conversation because it's so broad and complex. It does involve psychology, neuroscience, and philosophy. But on its most basic level. Like consciousness 101, consciousness is just a person's awareness of his or her environment, existence, and thoughts. But there's a, a huge distinction in all those things, right? You can be aware of your environment, but not aware that you exist. You can be aware that you exist, but not aware of your thoughts. And you know what does awareness mean anyway? So the way that that I understand it, and and you may you know I have a different understanding, but I think awareness has to do with attention. So if you're paying attention to something, you're said to be aware of it. You know, there's meta attention, there's metacognition, which is like 
paying attention to your attention, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. Um, but to be conscious is essentially to be aware of your thoughts. Like right now, you're thinking about something. You're thinking about the podcast. You're hearing and understanding my words, their meaning, and forming judgments about it. And so you can be said to be conscious of those things. Yes. Uh, I think also memory too, because uh, without memory, you wouldn't remember some of the things you've noticed. And so like you're saying, going along with attention, it's paying attention to things, being aware of them, and then the memory that you have been aware of them before. And it's the repeated patterns of this cycle that eventually you say, wait a minute, there's a pattern here. So it's, it's almost like frame of reference time-wise. Yes. Like, like knowing that you exist in the present and being aware of the past. Correct. Like and we, then thinking, well, how can I use all of this information to project the future? Absolutely. 100%. Like we were, we were sitting outside AJ's uh, beautiful um, seaside uh, apartment and we saw this seagull. Actually, I think this was the beach. We saw a seagull and we're just looking at each other like, dude, is this seagull conscious? Because this is clearly the things that we, <laughs> that we do with our free time. And to AJ's point, the seagull may be thinking something in that moment. I want fries. Mine, mine, <laughs> mine. Like, like actually, um, but it doesn't have like you said, an awareness of its previous thoughts or its future thoughts. So that's that's kind of like, uh, I think a bare bones way of understanding consciousness, but there have been different, as psychology has evolved, there have been different ways um, to structure consciousness. So Freud, uh, you may have heard of him, um, simplified this by dividing consciousness into three levels, the conscious, the pre-conscious, and the unconscious. Are you like familiar with Freud? Uh, fairly, but you probably know more than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like the pre-conscious is just things we could pay attention to if we desired, and this is where memories are stored for easy retrieval. The unconscious is things that are outside the realm of conscious awareness, including you know like thoughts and urges that we're not aware. We're going to talk about dr- dreaming later, which is why the unconscious is so important, the yes. manifestation of those thoughts and urges. And then everything else we're aware of is conscious, you know, is, is in the conscious, so to speak. But, you know, the problem with consciousness is its subjectivity. And that's really something you see in all of psychology. You can't really isolate it in a test tube or pinpoint it in an experiment, right? It's just this subjective thing that we all have. It's not like depression or anxiety where you take a 10-question quiz and, you know, oh, you're conscious. So this begs the question, you know, do all humans have consciousness? Do animals have consciousness? Do babies have it? You know, is this something that we're born with, something we develop? You know, can you lose it? Like what's at, at first glance you know like like what's your perception of 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 that well so i think um i think all humans have the ability of consciousness i think a lot of us uh have it more when we're younger even though it doesn't seem like it and then as we get older uh through copious amounts of you know drinking partying numbing of the mind (laughs) we become less conscious and then as we're older we're doing everything we can to remember and become more conscious so it's kind of a backward cycle but i personally and a lot of people find this controversial i don't think animals have consciousness now i know mm. dogs and cats are often said especially dogs because dogs dream you know they, they are conscious of their awareness so i would i would say maybe that they have some consciousness but i don't think it's on the same level as humans and mm. i think a dog the the reason a dog doesn't have the same consciousness as a human is because of what i said before is memory you know dogs their memory doesn't span as long as a humans do mm. now they'll remember they'll like they, you can train them right but that's more like muscle memory they're not actually remembering hey you know four years ago this happened i wonder if it'll happen again you know but but the fundamental issue with consciousness is we don't know right like so like let's say let's say you see your dog and your dog runs up and and you know gives you a a a lick or a kiss and then you think oh like you know he he remember he's thinking of this one or you know let's say you see your dog sitting on the couch and he's wistfully looking away my mom would be like, oh, that dog is thinking, you know, my, my dog's thinking about that one time from two years ago that, like, he met this other dog. But we don't know. We can't communicate with the animals. Right. So it's just conject, uh, you know, conjecture as right. to what, like, what the animals are thinking about and whether or not they're conscious. I mean, there is, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of support for AJ's uh, idea that they are, and there's also support that they're not. And so, you know, one of the issues is how do we test consciousness? And I mentioned the subjectivity, but there are tests. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with something called the mirror self-reflection test, MSR. And essentially they sedate an animal and they place a mark on its, its body somewhere. So like uh, for you know, like an elephant or a chimp, they put it on the face somewhere where they can't see without a mirror. And then the animal puts, is placed in front of a mirror. And if it demonstrates grooming behavior towards the mark, so like if the chimp tries to scratch the mark or rub it, that's taken as an indication that's aware of itself. It's aware that it's looking at a reflection of itself and not another animal. Because if it was another animal and it sees the mark, why would it itch itself? 
So elephants, apes, and pig pigeons have passed this test. Does that mean they have consciousness, AJ? See, that's interesting because, you know, I don't know the study, but I think it's possible. What if they just have really good pattern recognition? What if they simply say, oh, there's something novel on me, so I'm going to pay attention to it? I don't know if that necessarily means they're conscious. Conscious would be, well, that's interesting. What should I do about it? Why? You know, con to me, consciousness is more of like an awareness of why I'm doing what I'm doing. But that just could be my definition. No, I mean, I, but but that but but that's the issue with uh, the philosophy and and really the, like the semantics of a, a conversation about consciousness is, is there's no set definition. Right. right. Um, because this test shows that elephants and apes and pigeons and chimps they they know that they're in the mirror. But to, to your point, they don't necessarily know know the meaning of that. They haven't taken it a step further. Right. So right. some people would say that's not enough proof of consciousness. Now, other researchers think that language is the key to consciousness, right? So if if we're defining consciousness as the internal conversations that we're having with ourselves, right? Like having a conscience is having the voice inside your head that, you know, don't take that candy bar from the store or whatever. Don't bring that girl home. Yeah, <laughs> maybe for you. Um, <laughs> but no, so really having that language is the key in, in some people's opinion. Because if you don't have language, how are you able to, to converse with yourself in your mind? So if an animal can intelligent, intelligently apply abstract color shapes and con, uh, concepts, it may be self-aware and conscious. So this leads me to share one of the you know cooler experiences of my life. I mentioned in the first in the pilot episode, you know I've done all this totally random stuff, and you know when I, when I was in college, and, and you know this, I worked in an avian psychology lab where we trained African gray parrots on vocal communication. Um, the lab was at Brandeis University. It was run by a woman named Irene Pepperberg, who's uh, very well known in the scientific community uh, for teaching an African gray parrot named Alex hundreds of words. So if you haven't seen it, I'm not sure if you have. Mm, I think you might have told me about it. But go on YouTube, uh, uh, you know, watch. There's an Animal Planet or a National Geographic uh, special on Alex the African gray. And essentially, this woman, uh, Dr. Pepperberg, trained this this bird. Who, who you know, previous to Alex, it wasn't thought that birds had a level of intelligence, you know, analogous to uh, primates and chimps. But trained this bird to just learn all these abstract concepts and demonstrate its intelligence uh, to an extent that had never been seen before. And so, as a research assistant at Brandeis to Dr. Pepperberg, I, I actually helped her train another African gray griffin on language. So essentially, we would uh, show Griffin an object, whether it was uh, a piece of fabric, which is uh, wool, or a, a cloth, or, or a, you know, a, a popsicle stick, which is wood, and we'd say, hey, Griff, what object? And he'd identify the object. Or we'd say, what color? And he'd say, you know, green or purple in his kind of like high-pitched mm -hmm. voice. And what was so amazing, you know, about watching this, this tiny little thing with, you know, the, the head the size of a quarter tell me what color things were and what objects and numbers. I could snap, AJ. I could go, <laughs> how many is that? Three. And that's why he's an engineer, folks. So, so, but <laughs> that's this, as high as I can count. Yeah. But no, seriously, the, he could, uh, like all these, you have to understand, I, I know you guys think your dogs are smart, but in terms of the, uh, the intellectual capability, for, it's not very vast. So to have this tiny little bird just t tell me what numbers are. A number is, is an abstract, a number doesn't exist. Right, like I mean, you know this. Like math is all abstract. Well, kind of. It's it's a it's a definition. It's it's like a model. It's a way of of modeling. Exactly, like modeling real things. But to get back to consciousness, this may be an indication, guys, that animals like African gray parrots are, after all, conscious. Because we talked about mirror self reflection. But if these animals have language to internally or externally communicate, maybe they're conscious. But is that what if it's just intelligence? What if they're just very very smart? See. I still think, okay, if a parrot is able to pattern recognize, it's able to see different items. Now we're trying to do this, which we'll get to in a minute with AI, right? We're trying to get computers to do what these animals are being trained to do. Well, what's to say they're just they're just good at determining what objects are, but are they aware of what they're doing, that they're in a cage? Are they aware that they're in a cage in a bigger world being held, whether they against their will or not, you know, to basically be trained as an experiment. If they're not aware of that, are they truly conscious? But what's interesting in what you just said was you said, you said a bigger world. Right. So, so I have birds at home. I have a couple of parrots. You met them. Um, you know, we, we love them to death. Those guys don't know 
right. that there's a world out there. I mean, th- look, they might, again, uh, want to emphasize the subjectivity. We don't know. But do, do my parents who are sitting at home in the cage know that you know their ancestors are from Central America? Do they know that beyond that house there, there's a beautiful environment? Like, I don't know if they, if they know that. Well, I would say a lot of humans are similar. There are a lot of humans that have to live their entire life in the same area, and they don't know, like, the world's a big place. You know, now with all the technology we have, we can go and travel anywhere. But that's kind of the scope of what consciousness covers. It's that knowledge that you are where you are here, but that there's this bigger thing around you, mm. and you kind of view yourself from within it. You know? And that may be a, a decent framework to examine consciousness, is not, not only knowing you know, who and what you are, but you know, your relationship to the outside world. So I, just kind of to um, sum up the, the animal consciousness point, there's obviously a lot of divided uh, opinion in the scientific community, and it does vary based on species. Um, and now, you know, the other question to consider with regards to consciousness is, are babies conscious? You know, if, 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 if uh, there's a baby in the womb, um, you know, a fetus, can is that baby um, aware? Is that baby, uh, you know, able to um, just be be attentive to its existence. And there was an article in Scientific American that I'm going to link the detail uh, the details on iTunes and Spotify if you want to look into it more. But the study essentially concluded that although babies technically lack self awareness, um, because they do process complex visual stimuli and exhibit you know behaviors like imitating their parents' gestures, the conclusion was that uh, babies do have some sort of unreflective, present oriented consciousness. Now to me, I don't know if that sounds uh, you know accurate to you, but to me, I'm not sure that that conclusion is enough to conclude that a baby has consciousness that's on par with like an adult human. Oh no, I would agree with that. Right. It definitely is not anywhere close. I mean because I I don't know like if you've like had experience like with with babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, not I, as much I, as I'd want. I don't yeah, I don't know if I want to know, but um <laughs> it just it doesn't seem like it, it almost seems like you know, when you look at like African gray parrots and you look at, you, you go to the zoo, you look at elephants and chips, their, um, you know, their uh, relationship to the outside world and their ability to, to be attentive and self-aware is is much greater than even like a small child. Right. But well, neurologic, I'm sorry, but neurologically, the, the study disagrees. Right. Well, the way I see it is when we're so young, Evolutionarily, we don't have the ability to be conscious because what is the most important thing? As a baby, all it's trying to do is learn. It's trying to absorb everything around it. It does wild, jerky movements just because it's learning how to move. It's learning how to control its body. So if a baby has some self-awareness or consciousness when it's young, it's very, very little, and if any at all. But I think what happens is as we become adults and the basic necessities of being able to move, being able to speak, being able to communicate, you know, feed ourselves, take care of ourselves, as we get all that down to where we're not thinking about it anymore, now our mind is kind of empty. It's kind of like, well, now what? So it starts to think about things and it starts to put patterns together. Or it just goes to the bar and drinks every day like a lot of drones <laughs> that, you know. And you just, never evol- you just never evolve from, like, you know, that stage. But most of the time, if you, if you take care of yourself, you'll eventually develop this conscious mind. And that, I think, is, is the... So, so that argument is that consciousness is something that can be finessed. So it's yes. not like... It's not absolute. It's not like you have it or you don't. It's something that, that you can, um, can fine-tune and, you know, become more, more in touch with your, your conscious awareness. Perhaps. Yourself I mean. and the world. But, you know, if we take uh, an fMRI... Um, you know, a functional uh, magnetic re- resonance image of a human brain, there is a neurological lo- localization of consciousness. So we're, we're talking here, you know, you guys, you guys listening might be like, I don't, you know, I don't know what the hell these guys are talking about because it's, it's, we're talking in abstract language. But if you look at the brain, we can pinpoint, um, you know, what part of the brain is responsible for consciousness. We know it's located in the pre- prefrontal cortex, guys, right. the frontal lobe of the brain. But the issue is we don't know exactly what it is or and how. What, <laughs> or how or what we're looking for. There are a couple mysteries of human existence. You know, why do we sleep? Why do we dream? Um, and we're going to delve into the, the, the dreaming thing a little later. But consciousness is one of those that, you know, there, you can look at it from a hundred which ways and, and come out with a different... Um, you know, uh, a different way to view it. 
what I think is interesting is if you look at popular culture, um, and I, I want to, you know, I, I want to talk about the show Westworld for a moment. I'm not sure if you've seen. I think I have seen it. seen it. I love it. Yeah. And um, the show, in my opinion, does an amazing job of illustrating what consciousness is. I should warn you guys: the next few minutes do uh, contain a couple mild spoilers for the series. So if you do plan on watching it, either cover your ears or you know listen to to some heavy trap music or jump forward five minutes. But the show is essentially a struggle between. Uh, you know, an amusement park of robots that are exploited for sex and violence and um, the humans that visit. The uh, – what do they call them? The Hosts. No, no, the hosts of the robots. The oh. humans are like the – Guests, the, the, Yeah, the guests, yeah. exactly. And the robots don't have any long-term memories. So every night their brains are wiped. So AJ goes to Westworld mm-hmm. and uh, – Right into the saloon. You're, 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 right <laughs> into the saloon. Your, your parents probably I get listen. the first blonde I see and AJ. I say, let's go for a walk. Exactly. And at the end of their walk, um, the you know, the robot's brought back to HQ and the robot's brain is wiped and it has no memory of what happened. So I what just ha- told her all my deepest secrets. So what exactly so what happens in Westworld in the first season, this character Dolores, this host robot, has all these memories that she can't make sense of and it's urging her to follow the maze. And at the center of it is exactly what she's looking for. And this voice is telling her, Keep going, keep going. And at the end of the season, AJ, do you remember what happens? Uh, A lot of killing, I think. Yes. But more importantly, you learn, guys, that Dolores, um, the voice that was in Dolores' head was her own. And the maze was her path to becoming conscious. Mm -hmm. The maze represented consciousness. And what's really cool in the way that the series um, depicts this is you know there's this big lead up to you know what what does the maze lead to whose voice is it you know because there's all these other characters that are speaking in Dolores's memories and you know at the in the last episode of the first season it's just like Dolores do you remember whose voice that was and it was like it was mine um so uh, I mean uh, you know the, the show is f- phenomenal I can't recommend it highly enough but on uh, you know when it comes to consciousness according to the show consciousness is just your own voice in your head talking to you and I think. Not only is that a compelling allegory, but if you had to like explain it to a five-year-old, I think that would be a pretty, um, you know, like artistic way of kind of artistic and just accurate, dead-on way of simplifying. It's interesting. I wonder if the director, if that was their goal, is to make like a metaphor that everyone should be developing and listening to that voice inside to kind of wake themselves up. You know, kind of like wake up, guys. Here's a because I, I know a lot of people that watch that show and love it, but do they get this deepness from it? Do they do they see the depth in it? Because that's usually what I like to pick out of these kind of things. I don't know about you, man, but when I watched it and, and you know my roommates listening to this, we just we just talked for hours yeah. about about the um the implication there. I think we talked about this in, in, in episode two, but I think people today don't reflect enough. So right. I think if if consciousness is the voice in your head that's telling you you know, uh, what to do or, or what to think or how to feel. I think that voice is becoming less um, loud in some people because they're so distracted. And I don't. I really don't want to get into, because this is episode two, we talk about this a lot, but AJ, since you weren't on episode two, um, you know, do, do you agree with that? That there's not, because there's less reflection, maybe you, people could be said to have less consciousness today? Yeah, well, I think, uh, like I said, it's, it's awareness and it's memory. If you don't reflect, you don't remember. Um, and then how can you be conscious, right? So... Reflection uh, is usually best in silence. I think a lot of people are afraid to be alone, mm. and because they're not alone, even if even if they are alone, what are they doing? They're listening to music or watching TV. That's not being alone. Being playing alone. video games, right, playing yeah. Clash of Clans. This guy over here Guilty. has to. Uh, <laughs> we were at the beach. He Fantastic was, Four, best clan. We were no. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. We we we, <laughs> we were at the beach just hanging out, and AJ's freaking out next to me, and he's just like, "Oh my god, dude, there's a huge war going on," and I'm I'm thinking, "Do I have to call my parents?" And he's and he's like, "No." Like, Oh, my clan is at war. So anyway, just to wrap up the conversation on consciousness, uh, consciousness is being aware of yourself, your environment, not, not necessarily uh, aware that you exist. Um, animal consciousness may or may not uh, be said to exist in um, elephants, apes, pigeons, African greys. Um, shout out to the Pepperberg Lab. And Westworld does a beautiful job uh, you know, bringing this conversation to light. Um, so that's consciousness. Um, you know, definitely uh, something to, uh, to to think about. No, you know, I guess that's kind of meta for me to say. I, I do want uh, to kind of pivot to artificial intelligence. Um, this is something that AJ, probably more than any of my friends, knows an awful lot about. So I'm going to let him kind of provide a very layman's introduction to what is AI. You know, because a lot, AJ, just remember, a lot of our listeners don't have a science background. Um, so what is AI and then what is the concern about AI? Um, so AI, if you don't know, artificial intelligence, um, 
what is it? That is a that is a loaded question. Essentially, what we're trying to do is we're trying to replace ourselves. You know, humans, we're lazy and we don't want to think so much. Mm -hmm. So we want machines to think for us, but we want them to do more than just think. We want them to do more than just recognize things. We want them to actually make decisions and learn from their decisions so that in the future they require less interaction from humans. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the people that are pushing AI, what they really want is they essentially want to tell the, tell the robot or, or the machine to do something and not have to worry about it. And any sort of problems that happen, it takes care of. See, in, in engineering, we spend about 99.9999999999% of our time fixing problems. Mm -hmm. That remaining decimal fraction of a percentage is actually sitting down and saying, ah, it works, mm -hmm. let's go celebrate. <laughs> so most of the time we're fixing things. And even when something's done, it's never done. It's You're always just fixing something or adding a new uh, you know, solution to an exception. So with with AI, with the machine that's able to learn, it won't, you won't have to do all that work. It'll simply say, hmm, there's an issue here or an exception. Let me do this because this is what a human would do. You see what I mean? And uh, absolutely. And and how in terms of the timeline, the timeline. Obviously, we've come a long way in the last yes. like five, ten years with AI. Um, there are concerns. I know Elon Musk, who who is you know one of my heroes. Absolutely love the guy. Went on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he he was essentially. Um, you know, warning folks that uh, he was concerned that AI was progressing too quickly. He thought that people in the tech industry and in the government weren't super concerned with this. But he made it sound like, from listening to the podcast, we were only, you know, five, ten, maybe fewer years from AI lapsing human intelligence. So is this something that people, you know, should be thinking about before bed? Should, you know, should we be uh, mounting a resistance effort against, should we, you know, taking our computer with, with, with on the sledgehammer, like office space? Like, like how do we, is this something that you worry about or is it something we should worry about? Uh, you know, this is one of those things that if it does happen in five years, I'm probably going to be the first one taken out by the uh, robots. <laughs> I hope so. it's going to be a Terminator. AJ, <laughs> Take AJ, out that guy that AJ's doubted son us. AJ's son uh, is going to come back from the future. Um, so. Personally, Ricky, I think, uh, I think it's a lot of baloney. I think, um, I think what we're able to do with AI is very impressive. Uh, for those who don't know, Watson is a popular one. I believe it's IBM. IBM. Intel yep. and yep. IBM. Uh, it's a supercomputer AI that they've been teaching. And right now, or at least last I heard, they were uh, he was basically working as a doctor. Essentially, uh, doctors were giving him symptoms, and he was spitting out Are what possible diagnoses were. So now this is this is a very smart computer. However, it's still not conscious, and I'll tell you why. A conscious computer would say. Why? Pay me. Right. Give me a reward. Now, that would be a silly question for a computer because he knows, well, there's no reason he needs money, right? Only humans need money. But the, the idea is that there's, we don't want consciousness. And that's what I don't think a lot of people, th you know, we're trying to make consciousness, but you realize that human consciousness is what causes people to disagree. It's what causes people to be divided because they have mm -hmm. a choice. You know, we don't want, do we really want computers to have a choice? No, mm -hmm. we want computers to do what we tell them to. So mm -hmm. you have this push to make, you know, these, these conscious machines, but I don't think we really understand why we ourselves even want them. I think humans are just good at going, you know, we want to go to the moon, we want to go to Mars, we want to want to go to all these places, extend our reach, you know, manifest destiny. We, we just want to do what hasn't been done just for the sake of mm. it, really. I will say, I mean, Watson, I, I don't know if you watch Jeopardy, but I'm a, I'm a big, big, big... I'm so bad at Jeopardy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big a Jeopardy buff. That's that's my Friday night is uh, Jeopardy, my friends, maybe some wine. And uh, yeah, that sounds like fun, right? And, um, and so we're watching YouTube clips of Watson like competing against Ken Jennings and yep. all the other, it's like not even fair right. because Watson just searches his database well, for, and, and it instantly will buzz in and there's confidence intervals with how confident he is on the answer. Right. It's, it, it's almost like the intelligence of a machine, even the smartest human can't match that because of their processing speed. Right. Well, and so, you know, I have a thing I like to talk about. You've got the left brain, right brain. You've got the logical side of human thought and you've got the intuitive side of human thought. Now, People, our society really pushes our logic side. Be mm -hmm. smart, you know, know a lot. Engineering, the field is almost entirely built around the logical, you know, lobe of the brain. You've got science is pretty much all logical. If you can't prove it, if you can't mathematically support it, then it's not true. But there's this other side, there's this intuition that we really don't quite understand. And 
My personal opinion is it operates completely asynchronously from logic and that it kind of works together. However, if you're if you if you if you give too much attention to your logical side, it overpowers it. And so mm -hmm. machines will always beat us logically. Mm -hmm. They they can just do it faster, they can recall it quicker. However, they can't be intuitive. And mm -hmm. that is something they will never be able to do. And so that is their weakness. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can figure out a way to somehow do that, which personally I don't think we can, but maybe then and only then will we ever have any hopes of being or, or creating rather consciousness or as close as we can get to it, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think that that's uh, you know, that's a pretty fair assessment, AJ. I mean we talked about consciousness in a machine. We haven't talked about sentience, mm. which is a little bit different. Um, so consciousness is, as we mentioned before, a machine being self aware, aware of its existence in relation to the, the universe or the world. Sentience is, is like the ability to, to feel is my understanding, to, to, to want things, to have emotional capabilities. Um, and then, you know, I think you mentioned earlier that uh, the, the machines can't, necess uh, can't necessarily take control because they'll just do something. They'll just be, you know, obey, the com obey a command that you type right. in without wanting something. I think the concern isn't so much about machines becoming conscious as it is becoming sentient. sentient. Once you have machines that can, um, you know, strive, you know, have desires and strive to actually fulfill them, that is a, um, you know, that's something to, to be concerned with. But I think it's so silly because think about it. Here, here we are trying to create a machine. If we want consciousness without sentience, we're basically it's like it's like circular loop we ourselves are basically admitting we don't like emotion and our society says repress emotion mm -hmm. you know it's not okay you know control your emotion like emotion is fine it is okay to feel and it's what makes us human and so we're i have an interesting you know even though i i think ai is amazing and the technology is really impressive and will push us forward i think the the desire to create ai is a little bit uh short-sighted i think that it's more of just an ego it's we, we just want to see if we can do it rather than if we really understand what we're trying to do well th th this is going to become a philo philosophical question yes. but uh philosophical conversation but should we stop AI? Because what is our goal as people? Because if our goal is to have as much intelligence as possible, to learn as much about the world as possible, even if it means that we're subordinate to machines, then we should not stop AI. Let AI keep going. Let machines rule the world. If our goal is to ensure, AJ, the superiority of the, the homo sapien race, then we should repress AI. So we need to figure out, I don't know if it's politically or you know sociologically, we need, what is our goal? Because that will determine you know, what we do with AI. I think we should always make sure that there's a uh, cold kill switch. <laughs> cold. <laughs> so when in doubt, pull the plug. Um, I, I will also say, and again, uh, that's good advice. Again, um, I'm not an expert at this, but uh, if we're having a conversation about AI, we have to mention the Turing test. Uh, Turing test is, you know, what's 50, 60 years old, uh, devised by a man named Alan Turing. And that's the gold standard to determine whether or not a, comp a computer is capable of thinking like a human being. Is there an anti-Turing test where a human seems like a robot? Well, Elon Musk would fail that. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of people. I out think there. we should do that. We know, we know some people from high school that might fail that. Yeah, if, if any of you guys listening uh, have a friend that might f uh, pass the anti-Turing test, which I just made up right here, that basically means you're a human, but we don't think you're human. Pat, uh, that one. I think I think you should uh, email email Ricky and uh, we'll, we'll Nervous Habits Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Nervous Habits Podcast like at gmail.com. Start a start a little uh, oh, data oh data there. You know, get some. <laughs> and since I. I mentioned Westworld in the conversation of, of consciousness. When we talk about AI, there's been so much in pop culture, uh, so many movies and TV shows that have depicted kind of the, the dark side of the rise of the machine. So my favorite movie ever, and it's got to be one of yours, is The Matrix. Yes. Because I, I think that movie just en encapsulates everything good about art. It's action and drama and philosophy and essentially and by the way i'm not going to say spoiler for this this is like 20 years 25 <laughs> years old if you haven't seen it then i don't know what you're doing with your life <laughs> guys guys the matrix is essentially a world where you're walking around you're living uh you know in the city and it's all a simulation your real body is plugged into a, a tank it's like right. it's like you're in a fish tank I, I wish i had like a visual you, you're imagining this with me yes. it's a fish tank and you're, you're uh, there's holes on your your chest and your stomach and your back and it's connected to a supercomputer and you look around you and it's millions of other people plugged into and the goal is to unplug yourself and right. to enter the real world and that my friends could be the world we live in or the world that we're heading to 
Yes, maybe metaphorically. I think some people actually think we literally live in a simulation. I don't know if I agree with that, but certainly metaphorically, yes. Essentially, uh, and we'll get into this when we talk about lucid dreaming, uh, our perception of reality is our essentially reality. I mean, you could say, what is reality? It's what I see, hear, and sense. Um, but is that always true? You know, it, it's a good question. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that that perception, uh, you know, uh, drives your your reality. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the matrix, in my opinion, again, really encapsulate what, encapsulates what's the what the concern is in that machines are going to rise up and humans will be subservient. Uh, machines will be running society. There's another really good movie. Have you seen Ex Machina? Uh, a long time ago, yes. Okay, because that, in my opinion, that is another excellent AI movie. Um, and essentially, it's about uh, this this guy um, played by Adam Ol. Uh, Gleason, who wins a contest where he's able to to spend time with um, with uh, this this programmer or whatever, and the programmer wants him to help this machine pass the Turing test. So sit with this this robot Ava, and you know try to I, I think it's like try to figure out if she's conscious or try to help her achieve consciousness. Yes, it's very clouded, but the conversations they have in that movie are so interesting. And. Uh refresh my memory he ends up falling in love with this robot right is that kind of what happens yeah i mean i feel like that that's a, a trope in every sci-fi movie about a robot and a human is oh. is they end up they end up falling in love but but imagine imagine a robot so realistic that a human would actually develop emotions to it not in like a you know my creation way but more like a actual fascination with that entity you know it's interesting yeah i mean that i, I like i said i cannot recommend um Ex Machina enough, just because you know he's having this. This guy's having conversations with this robot, and it just makes you consider why, why, like what makes the number one question, AJ, that I walked away from that movie with is what makes AI, what makes a machine different than a person? Because you think intuitively you know the answer, but you don't. And there's there's a good quote from the movie that that stood out to me. It's um, one day the AIs are going to look back on us the same way we look at fossil skeletons on the plains of Africa. An upright ape living in dust with crude language and tools all set for extinction. Hmm. So I think that's a nice little um, exclamation point onto the conversation about AI. Uh, last thing we want to discuss with you this week is lucid dreaming. So AJ actually, uh, a couple of years back, I don't know if you remember this, we, we were hanging out in, uh, you do remember, yes. we were hanging out in, uh, in, in our hometown and... I don't know, like, like if you had just read a book, but you you really got me into lucid dreaming, uh, and I'm gonna let you you know run away with this. But since Inception came out in 20, I think 2010 or something, everyone's been obsessed with lucid dreaming. Um, so what is it, and you know what was the if you can remember what you told me about like how you do it? Then yeah, I think it'd be, yeah. it'd be cool. So I've been fascinated with lucid dreaming uh, most of my life. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't say. I'm the most avid dreamer, but I definitely have very vivid dreams when I do dream. Um, lucid dreaming is essentially being conscious in a dream. And so that means you are aware of dreaming. I know a lot of people that have done this and weren't really aware that it's like a thing or that it was novel. Um, but the book that I started reading, it's by Robert Wagner. It's called Lucid Dreaming Gateway to the Inner Self. And he has a very interesting perspective on the purpose of lucid dreaming and, and using it as a tool to look into yourself. So when I was younger, um, I would become conscious in dreams all the time. And when I did this, uh, there were two things I usually did. Number one was I would try to fly because I don't know, as a kid, like, what do you do? You want to fly. So mm -hmm. I had this thing, I'd jump up, I'd say fly power and I'd fly all around. Wow. Um, and the second thing I would do is I would just try to create stuff. I would try to be like, I want this. Like if I, you know, I, I loved Star Wars as a kid. So like, I want a lightsaber. So I, right, I would, I would try to like control the dream. And it sometimes worked, it sometimes didn't. What I essentially just tried to play around with it. And so Robert Wagner in his book here, he, he says, you know, that's all great. Um, but, you know, there might be more to this lucid dreaming thing. Now, a lot of people have different opinions on why we dream. My personal opinion is it's kind of the way that our body... Uh, it's like it's like a simulation of our mind. And, the, and so while we're sleeping, our, our brains, what they're doing is they're kind of taking all of the stuff that's happened in the day and they're kind of throwing it. And mm -hmm. that's how we get long term memory. It's just doing a little bit of maintenance. Mm -hmm. And when uh, when we sleep and we're in the, the deepest point of uh, sleep, I think stage five, uh, we're completely 
all all our nervous system is kind of shut down. In other mm-hmm. words, like we're we're paralyzed essentially. You know, um, we can't move our body. So the only thing our body has to do is keep the heart going, keep the brain going, keep us breathing. So very very simple. Um, and it's in this time that the brain kind of has the ability to do other things, right? Mm-hmm. And that's essentially where where dreaming comes from. So my thought is if if when we're dreaming there's a way to get a little deeper into our mind because we're able to you know people who meditate they're able to block out their consciousness which is always hovering over our subconscious and kind of loosen it and then we're able to actually communicate with our subconscious now not necessarily directly but my personal opinion is that while lucid dreaming is is the only time and, and this is kind of what robert wagner alludes to in his book it's the only time we can actually communicate with our subconscious and it's done so through mm. the dream mm. um so in this book he says that through lucid dreaming you can essentially um you can deal with trauma that has been repressed in your social uh in your life and you can you can deal with this by actually confronting it within the dream so um, one of the ways he says to induce lucid dreaming and to have it more often is you come up with what's called like uh, I forget I forget the term he uses but it's like it's like a dream hook it's kind of like dream hook yeah I think that's what you mentioned and by the way what's the name of this book it's uh lucid dreaming gateway to the inner self lucid dreaming because I actually never so I have a very long list of books that I'm planning to read I never got around to reading this yeah. I did read the other you recommended a, a couple of ones over the yeah. years but um I'm gonna read this myself but but go on so you have the dream hook uh, yeah and he might use a different word for it but essentially it's um it's a way of reminding yourself or rather checking yourself so maybe he calls it like a dream check that, mm-hmm. that you're in a dream so the example he uses is your is his hands that's what he used so every time in your waking life you see your hands you ask yourself am I dreaming mm. and you do this habitually so you train yourself to now what I started doing is instead of using my hands I did a light switch every time I turned on a light switch I stopped and I asked myself am I dreaming and it gets a little annoying at first because you do it once and then you forget about it but but if you keep doing this interesting some it's interesting what happens eventually in a dream you're going to see your hands or you're going to flip a light switch and if you do this often, guess what? You're going to, in your mind, you're going to question, am I dreaming? And all of a sudden, boom, you're completely aware you're dreaming. And it's amazing how the dream changes. It's like once you become lucid, all of a sudden it like slows down. You know, you know when wow. we wake up and we can't understand our dreams, it's like it's like a foggy memory. Well, when you do this, all of a sudden it like becomes, it, it just doubles in reality. All of a sudden you're aware of like, the air around you, the things around you. Someone, you're hyper-stimulated, like you just yes. had like coffee. Yes, and so, other drugs. you know, going back to what we're talking about, perception is Robert Wagner, you know, he was able to, in a dream, um, he, there was a fire, and what he did was he put his hand over the fire and he didn't feel any pain. And he was like, well, this is interesting. So then he said, you know what, fire hurts. So then he put his hand over the fire and expected to feel pain, and he did. And then wow. he did it again and said, this is fake. There is no fire. And he put his hand there and there was no pain. And I'm, so I, I'm just, I don't know about you. I'm imagining Inception right now. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine well, Leo well, in one, well, of those, this, one of those loops. The, the, the novelty in this is that if you can feel pain, and in a dream you can turn pain on and off based on your perception. In other words, if you expect to feel pain, you'll feel pain. However, if you do not expect to feel pain, then you won't. That That is very interesting because right in, in this dream, we're essentially we're showing ourselves that we can control the entire reality of our existence in that dream right. with our simple perception. And it makes me wonder how far does that apply in our waking lives? You know, how, how wow. far, how far does that apply in our waking this lives? This is so. uh, th- this is, this is a mind fuck. I'm not yeah. going uh, so so to beat around the bush. That's, I'd highly, that's wild. Yeah. I'd highly recommend reading the book. Um, there's a lot more information there. I'm just giving you kind of like the sugar coated, uh, I sample of it. So a, a, a couple things here. Wow. So so thank you so much. That was, yeah. that was amazing. You guys don't have to read the book now. Um, <laughs> but so first of all, you said earlier, you said the purpose of dreaming is you said there was like a, a mishmash of memories and you, and you said it was like to consolidate them for long-term memory. Yeah. Um, so different psychologists have different um, theories on dreaming. And I mentioned earlier, it's one of the least known phenomenons in, in human existence. Some 
psychologists like Freudians think that dreaming is the manifestation of our unconscious urges. They're usually right. sexual. Right. Um, and they usually involve parents yes. um, or siblings or, you know, uh, forbidden relationships. Um, some some psychologists and some neuroscientists think there's no order to dreams. Dreams are pure chaos. Right. Dream, dreams are meaningless. It's just, you know, things things that just happen to you throughout the day or throughout... Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I dream about um, people I haven't talked to in, in years and, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, but... The interesting thing about lucid dreaming is is you can, in my opinion, you can very much like shape what you want to get out of the dream. So do you, let me ask you a question. Do you control how the dream starts in lucid dreaming or do you just plop into a dream and then you can redirect it? So the, the best metaphor um, that I can use for dreaming is sailing. And I think Robert Wagner even has a chapter titled... Um, does the sailor control the sea or does he control the wind? So when you sail, uh, like a sailboat, you can't control the direction of the wind, but you can you can adjust your sails and go the direction you want to go, except mm. obviously directly into the wind. So dreaming is kind of similar. You you can't, there. we don't really know what it is, but there's this something that is kind of controlling the dream. However, when you're lucid in the dream, you can direct it based on the strength of your, I guess, how, how deep, conscious how conscious you are in the dream. So... Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I started lucid dreaming a little more, when I was doing this, uh, by the way, another way to start lucid dreaming is you keep a dream journal. If you if you note down mm -hmm. the dreams in a dream journal, you'll mm -hmm. kind of get your mind into dreaming more. So so dream journal and a dream check or like a dream hook are the two main ways to start lucid dreaming. And dream journal, dream check, and dream hook. Well, just making, check or hook. Just making sure we got that. Yeah, dream yeah, journal, yeah. dream dream check mm -hmm. or hook. Um, and so. Basically, I started being able to fly, and so I would fly from place to place. And then as I got better, I could actually – I didn't have to fly anymore. I could just teleport there because essentially what you're doing is you're, you're, you're getting stronger within the dream, and you're realizing that I know what's happening. So you're kind of controlling the dream, but you're not doing it – you're not necessarily controlling it entirely. And that's what – the cool thing about lucid dreaming and using it as a way to kind of – as a gateway to the inner self is you don't want to control the dream entirely. You simply want to be aware of what the dream's trying to tell you. Mm. Um, one of the things he talks about is um, you ask for a dream guide. And I've done this and it works 100% of the time. Now, I don't always remember in the dream to ask for a dream guide. But you ask for a dream guide and guess what? One will appear. The dream will give you a figure or, for me, it's been an animal, a dog, a hmm. couple of times. And then they'll say, follow me. Or the dog will just start running. And this you is trippy. <laughs> no, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> this is unusual. The best, yeah. the best one I had was I was uh, flying over a field and I said, I want a dream guide. So I, I, at this time, I didn't say it out loud. I thought it. And I see a monk. And so I, I'm flying. So I land down and there's a monk there. And I ask him, what's going on with my body? And he looks at me and he says, your brain is in astronaut mode. And so I was kind of confused. I was like, is that a disease? And he said, <laughs> and he, I was like, is that a disease? And he said, no, not really. And so I started walking with him along this path. And I asked him, you know, what is this place? And he, he looked at me and he said, there's a lot of people that are very old here, but I'm young. I'm only 60 years. I've been, I've been here for 60 years, he said. And that's all I remember. But he, he, this dream figure in my dream was talking about the dream. Now, this, this is a very weird phenomenon. That's like because knowing, knowing that you're in the dream is, is one thing. A, yeah, yeah. But when the dream is acknowledging itself, wow. this right here tells me that there is some other entity driving the dream. Because when the dream references itself, I mean, this figure was basically saying, I've been in here in this dream for six years. Now, we know Inception kind of you know plays with the idea that maybe time goes slower. Oh, in the dream, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't dream know if that's necessarily dream. true, but... But what if there is this other realm that we go to in a dream that is kind of shared? Um, I don't know. That, it, yeah, it's... that's dude. That that's that's an intense uh, thing to wrap your mind around. I mean, just uh, I don't know if I've ever experienced the sensation of, of lucid dreaming. It's dreaming is such an odd like you're 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 sleeping and you kind of forget you forget where you are. Sometimes, sometimes you like wonder, like, how did I get here in, in the midst of a dream? Like, yeah. if you're in the supermarket, and then the next scene, I like to call it. It's mm -hmm. like you're the next scene, you have a jump cut, and you're in at home. Sometimes you kind of wonder, but really, there's no no, there's no consciousness in the dream. But lucid dreaming is, I mean, you know, you can do anything. I, I, I don't know if I would fly. Um, oh, it's so fun. Yeah, it's fun, and it fe it feels like you fly. Like, like it's like you, it, you, you experience flying. A human will never buy. 
his or herself be able to fly with, I mean, with technology, yes, but by themselves, I don't think that's ever possible. However, in a dream, somehow we're able to imagine what it's like. And when I tell you it is as awesome as it as it would think you'd think it'd be, it is. It's amazing. Okay, I, mean, I, I want to. I do want to wrap up this conversation, AJ. So, 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 just to kind of make sure people walk away from this with the right idea. In like 15 words or less, how do you lucid dream? I know you mentioned the hands. So you said write on your hands. No, no. So so essentially you just want to have a dream check. Essentially you have to become aware in your waking life of some habit you do okay. and attribute that to a question, which is am I dreaming? You, you What you want, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get like a trigger that when you're in a dream, trigger. you see this object or you notice something and that causes this thought am i dreaming gotcha. and when you have that that is how because you have to be aware in the dream that you're dreaming so it, it actually helps you to become more aware in your waking life because you're consciously always thinking am i dreaming am i dreaming absolutely um and keeping a dream journal if you are someone that doesn't dream a lot i got a lot of friends that don't dream really at all it's because you don't really care if you give attention to your dreams, if when you have a dream, you wake up and you reflect on the dream, you're teaching your mind that it's something you want to pay attention to and you'll have more dreams. So, For sure. So simple as that. So. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, dr I dream a lot and I also keep a dream journal. I'm actually probably going to go into, in a future episode, go into um, why it's important to keep a dream journal, uh, how to remember your dreams, and also... Um, uh, how to interpret your dreams. I'm going to go into that in a future episode, but uh, definitely some great takeaways from our conversation on consciousness, what it is, um, and of course, you know, whether or not it, it, it exists in animals and, and babies. So, uh, you know, excellent takeaways there. Uh, AI, AJ had some, um, some, some great insights on, you know, what the concerns are and, you know, where we're, you know, where the industry is taking us in the next couple of years. And of course, uh, relying on those dream triggers, uh, dream triggers in order to, uh, you know, achieve lucid dreaming. Um, it's been it's been a very full conversation. Um, uh, oh shoot! I don't think the record button's on. I think we. Uh, uh oh! No, I'm just kidding. I should have seen. Unbelievable! You should have seen his face. Like we're we're gonna do the whole conversation again. Um, but uh, uh, you know, excellent conversation. Uh, AJ uh, has a, a you know thriving radio career, podcast career ahead of him. Um, next week, guys, we're gonna be revisiting the dating world. Uh, how exactly would you go about starting a conversation with someone in public? The do's and don'ts of making the approach, and why it's not just men who should be doing this. Uh, we'll be talking about habit formation. Is it possible to form new habits, or are we stuck in our ways forever? And as promised, fiber. Why is it so important to a balance? Uh, excuse me. Why is it so important to a balanced diet, and how to get more of it in there? AJ, Thanks. thank you so much for having me on the podcast. First guest. Thank you. How did it feel? You. What do you? What are your takeaways here? Uh, it was good. I really enjoyed it. It's actually quite fun to just kind of ramble on about something. Ramble on. <laughs> That's what we do when the record button's not rolling. Uh, thanks so much for, for listening, guys. I'm loving this Florida weather. Unfortunately, uh, next week's episode is going to be back in New York. Uh, keep listening. Keep emailing. Uh, NervousHabitsPodcast at gmail.com. Also on Instagram, at NervousHabitsPodcast. Have a great day and see you soon.